Episode 9 of Happy Work, Happier Life. Thomas Huang here from Happier with Joseph Pukinger, who oversees the tech development for Privé. Today, we discussed how tech talent can broaden, expand their skills, which is also in the best interest of companies, how can companies attract and retain those top talents, and general tips and advice for you to stick out during your job application process. So if you're interested, definitely tune in for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joseph. First off, can you give us a brief introduction about your background, what you're doing right now? Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me. So I'm very happy to be here uh, for this uh, podcast. So I'm Joseph and I'm leading uh, the technology team at Private Technologies. My background is that I have been working in the software industry for 25 years now in many different domains, uh, industries, uh, so production industry, banks, insurances, and so on. And uh, yeah, my my uh, current position is leading the technology team at Privé. Privé is a wealth management as a service platform, and uh, we are operating the P2P business with primarily with big banks and wealth advisors. You mentioned you've been in the tech industry for 25 years. What are some trends you've seen in the past and now, and also where do you see the trend going in the future? Oh, that's a good question. Looking back 25 years, you know, there have been many trends. Remember the times when XML came up the first time, it took a few years until XML was really used. Everybody was talking about XML. And I remember when I was a young developer, we didn't really get it, what it is about. And it took some time to take off. And there were similar trends uh, when you look back then. 2008, big revolution, I would say, uh, in the mobile uh, industry the first smartphones which uh, appeared in the market. Uh, and I think the last decade was primarily dominated by uh, data uh, developments mm-hmm. on the data side, AI, and also the cloud uh, industry. Uh, also, um, similar with cloud and with XML, it was uh, introduced much earlier, but the adoption on the market is usually slow. quite uh, slow. Yep. And especially in the in the financial industry, um, there is a, a, a lot of uh, security requirements, uh, legal concerns, and so on. So it took quite some time that also now, finally, the financial industry is moving more and more towards cloud uh, technologies. Yeah. Where do you see the trend going in the next five, 10 years? And even before that, how has COVID-19 really affected this trend? Oh, okay. Um, the next five to 10 years, I see uh, speed up of the digital transformation. Digital transformation was ongoing. Uh, it was taking place in many different areas, but I think COVID-19 will heavily push it. Yeah. Uh, just take as an example the aviation industry. To me, a big question is, uh, will uh, Cisco or uh, Zoom, yeah? uh, mm-hmm. what, what is their impact on the aviation industry? Or maybe also virtual reality, yeah? when you take the aviation industry in, in the context of, of tourism. So uh, the big question for me is, Will the aviation industry, for example, be disrupted like some years ago, Netflix disrupted the whole movie industry? Maybe not to this extent, but I'm 100% sure that uh, the aviation industry after COVID-19 will never be as it was before. And we see a similar trend uh, on uh, the wealth management side. So digitalization uh, in the wealth management is uh, taking off now. We see that... um, 
Banks also, they are not in the current situation, they are not taking big investment decisions, but we have many conversations with banks uh, which were a little bit more hesitant in switching to uh, with switching to digital channels. And now we see that these conversations are taking off again uh, as well. So I also see a big impact of COVID uh, on the way how uh, banks will be operating in the future mm -hmm. and uh, how and what kind of business is done in the branches or generally the, the, the importance of the branch versus digital platforms they are using. A lot of people say digital transformation, but from a tech perspective, what is that actually? Digital transformation from a tech perspective is, uh, from my point of view, primarily about leveraging technologies. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, there are new technologies around, but the, most of them are already a few years and, and it's uh, always about using technologies and leveraging them for the right use case. Yeah? Uh, like uh, Internet of Things, let's take this as, as uh, one of the trends. Yeah? There's a, a lot of noise about it, but in the essence, it's silently. Yeah. In, uh, it, it, it silently it silently moves into our life. Yeah? So that means uh, things are getting more and more connected and smarter. So it's not a switch. It's not digital transformation. It doesn't mean that I'm A today and I'm B tomorrow. It just means over time, continuously leveraging more and more technologies. Aside from COVID-19, what are some factors that can help push, especially more traditional companies, to take on digital transformation, leverage technology uh, at a faster and more efficient rate? Well, that can help them to push. Yeah, I think the demand to survive can help them to push. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so jumping into probably what a lot of our viewers and listeners are interested in, are companies in the tech industry and in the tech field still hiring right now? Of course, of course, yeah. Um, especially as situations like COVID-19, they speed up digital transformation. It means that the shortage on technology uh, skills and people might even be bigger than it was ever before. Yeah? Oh. So uh, maybe even, uh, uh, or maybe today, some, some companies are hesitant with hiring, yeah? but this is just a question of time until these gates open again and the investments into technology will be even bigger than they, they were before. Is Privé hiring? Of course we are hiring. Yeah? Uh, at Privé, we are hiring uh, many different, uh, for many different roles. So we are hiring on the infrastructure side, we are hiring on the development side, uh, quality assurance. Uh, as Privé is also now in a transformation, I would say, we are, um, we are um, moving towards the next generation of our technology. This also requires uh, new skills and new people to join the company. So we are growing the team and we are also looking for, for new skills. It's really nice to hear that you're hiring quite a few different roles, uh, spanning from technology to other fields as well. Do you have any tips or advice for people applying not only for Privé, but for other tech positions in other companies? For me, it's very important that, that people who are looking for positions uh, uh, for technical roles, they need to understand that wherever you go, it will be a bumpy ride. Yeah? So I, I think people need to be prepared that you won't find perfect environments. You won't find an environment where processes are perfectly designed, where the technology is perfect, where there is no technical debt you have to deal with, there is no legacy you have to deal with, or where uh, engineering practices are perfect. Yeah? So whenever people are looking for this, uh, then they will find big disappointment, yeah? either already in the recruitment process, when the companies are honest with you, mm. or if they uh, oversell, then you will find it out later. Yeah? So I think it's very important that people are realistic 
uh, whenever you want to contribute in the te technology development of a company, this doesn't mean that you come in, you find a perfect environment and you write your code. It means that you come in and you help the company grow, which also comes with a lot of, uh, uh, with a lot of challenges, but also opportunities for you because your growth uh, is also heavily impacted by this. Sounds like the life of an entrepreneur, lots of obstacles to overcome. How can applicants really get a good idea into what working in that company is like? How can they prepare themselves better for these obstacles and adjustment to reality? Yeah, I think it's very important for applicants to ask the right questions in the interview process, yeah? uh, especially in the technology domain, you have options. There is not only one job and, and, and you have to take. You have options and ask the right questions. Find out what is important for yourself. What, what are compromises you can make? What are compromises you don't want to make? Yeah? And try to find it out in the recruitment process. Yeah? But I think it's also important for companies in this process to not oversell. I personally, I really strongly recommend to talk about how things are, to talk about what people will find when they join the company. It has a lot of advantages for everybody. There are no disappointments when you bring in people and you're open with them. They know what they can expect. So you can, uh, uh, this definitely has a uh, positive impact on churn. Yeah? On, on the other hand, when you're open and honest, you also see people maybe uh, stopping the process. And that's mm -hmm. perfectly fine. If your environment is not an environment uh, people want to work for, that's perfectly fine. But identify it as early as possible in the process. And that's important for both sides. Identify very early in the process whether the company is that what you want to have and also whether the candidate really, really wants to work for you yeah? and is really willing to take the challenge. And maybe one, one last uh, uh, comment on that is, especially for candidates, and, and I do the same when I hire people, there is the expertise, the experience you bring, and you talk about all these facts, but never ignore the gut feeling. I've put down job offers because my gut feeling was that's not the right job. Also on the paper, looking into the facts and looking into the data, everything was okay. And it turned out to be the right thing. And also on the other hand, I've made the experience whenever I have to convince somebody to join the company during the recruitment process, then I should better not do it. Because mm. at any time when I did that, it finally turned out to fail. So if people are not really self-motivated and willing to join, don't try to convince them. It doesn't make sense. Two questions. First question, what are some red flags that applicants can pick up on during the job interview to know that this company is not the right one for them? I think for, for an applicant, it's uh, besides uh, the, the hard facts like technology stack, uh, uh, the product and so on. I think it's very important to try to understand the company culture and how the company operates during the interview process. And I see that happening very rarely. Very often people are interested, uh, developers are interested in learning about the technology stack, but not so much in how, how the company operates or what the product is about. So I think that's, that's, that's a very important thing. Another thing is, um, at least I always ask myself, is this a product I can be proud of? Is it something what I proudly would tell my friends when I meet them for a beer or whatsoever? I proudly, can I talk proudly about my product? Then this is a good sign. If not, then you most likely won't find motivation in this job. And uh, one other thing is also, you have to look at this, um, 
there is legacy involved, uh, except you start a completely new business from scratch. Uh, and we ignore this case for a moment. Whenever you join a company, an already existing company, then there is legacy to deal with. Uh, so also try to find out what is this legacy about? What are the technology stacks there? Because companies usually don't talk so much about that. And also, uh, how much will your involvement be in dealing with this legacy? Because there is no developer job which does not require to deal with legacy. Yeah, so try to understand not only the sunny part of the job, but also the, the parts which you might not like. And then you can you can find the balance if uh, if if this is something you you want to do or not. Sounds like um, you're advising applicants to really do their research, to ask questions during the interview, talk to people in the in the company to see what the culture is like, to see if they can fit there. Yeah, an interview is always into two directions. Yeah, so. Uh, companies interview candidates and candidates interview companies. Make use of that. Because it is two directions, what are some red flags for companies who are looking to hire top talent? Um, what are some signs that they should not be hiring this person despite everything else? Their CV looks really good. Uh, besides gut feeling, what other tips? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's also very similar. As, as uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, there is a, a reality. You have a certain reality in the company. You have to deal with technical debt. You have to deal with problems. You have to deal with imperfection in many, in many areas. Yeah. And I usually use the recruitment process to openly talk about that and also to see how people respond to it. Sometimes you find people who just expect that somebody else solves things yeah, and that they find a perfect environment. And that might not be the right people. Yeah? Uh, same is valid for, for, for dealing with legacy. Um, one, one other thing for me is uh, also, how much does the candidate know about the company? Has the candidate mm -hmm. spent a few minutes to find out who you are? Candidates would expect from you that you have read the CV, that you know what uh, the candidate's history and that you can talk about some details. But it should also be the other way around. Does the candidate know your company? Have they done some research? Uh, can you have some kind of, of detailed conversation about your business with the candidate? Is the candidate interested in the business? And um, uh, I, I think it's very important that uh, candidates or developers, that they understand that focusing on technology only, being the best developer, knowing the technology best, is not enough. You need to be interested in the business, in the business domain, because good solutions Really good products are always a result of understanding the business and knowing how to leverage the technology to get to this point. And maybe one, one other thing, uh, what I would like to mention here is a candidate always must come with a, with a healthy sense for uh, pragmatism. Pragmatism. Uh, pragmatism. Of course, we all would love, love to have uh, perfect technical solutions. Of course, we all would like to have them. But the reality is that uh, there is the, the financial side. Uh, there is a time uh, time aspect and uh, you have the technology aspect and you have to bring those together and you have to find pragmatic solution for what is the best solution in this current context and not only what is the best technical solution. Yeah? And if candidates are not willing to accept that this is a compromise, yeah, which is uh, given by the, the context you are embedded in, uh, then uh, there is also a high risk that at the end of the day, these people get frustrated in the job and maybe it's not the right job for them. How can candidates be more competitive during the job application process? What sorts of things can you do to show that they're passionate about the company they're applying for? I think one key is that they know the company, yeah? mm -hmm. that uh, they have done some research, they understand the business domain a little bit and uh, they uh, know a little bit of the background of the company. 
One other thing what definitely has a big impact of the value of a, of a candidate is how broad is the candidate? Yeah. Is, is it somebody who uh, focuses on one technology and says, I'm a Java developer and that's it? Is it somebody who is interested in learning different technologies? Yeah. And uh, for me, it's uh, uh, usually a very good sign when, when people say, I want to do that because I have not done it before, because I don't know how it works. It's already a clear sign that people are willing to learn and willing to grow. Yeah? While uh, uh, sometimes you meet people who say, I want to do that because I have already done it. I know how it works. That's why I want to do that. Then uh, it doesn't mean that it's a red flag, but uh, at least it's something where you should dive into a little bit to find out uh, how much is this person willing to learn. Yeah? So the more, the broader your experience is, I think that's always an advantage. Yeah? But of course, it doesn't mean that you, you should not go deep. There must be some areas where you can go deep, but going deep only is not enough. Mm -hmm. So be broad and go deep in some areas. Definitely sounds like an entrepreneur exploring into new um, skills that they haven't done before, new projects. So with that, do you have any suggestions on how applicants can sort of upskill themselves to pick up new skills? Um, I've heard from many HR hiring people that it's very attractive to see these people are really interested in improving themselves, investing time and resources in themselves to learn new skills. So do you have any advice for specifically tech people on how they can do that more efficiently? I think it's, uh, there are multiple components to this. Yeah? One, uh, one thing is to keep yourself up to date. And nobody can solve that for you. You only can keep yourself up to date yeah? by following latest trends, at least knowing what is going on and what are the trends you want to dig into and what are the trends you might skip, but it's also okay. Yeah? But mm. knowing what is going on, nobody can solve it for you. You need to do that yourself. Yeah. A second thing is for me a training, uh, but I would not put too much uh, emphasis on on classroom training or something like this. Yeah? So training is for me much more doing things you have not done before. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how much can candidates or, or people have impact on this? I think uh, that every company every company would enable or encourage you to work in fields you have not worked before. Mm. At least I have not seen a company which says, no, I don't want you to do that. Yeah? But stand up, bring it up, say, I want to change to another team. I want to change technology or whatever it is. Yeah? Stand up and do that. And this is for me the best way of training, which is training by doing, learning new things. Yeah? And uh, this is a win-win. This is a win for the candidate because uh, the, the, the developer is getting broader, getting broader skills, getting more experience. Uh, on the other hand, it's also a win for the company. Yes, of course, you take some kind of investment because the, the productivity will go down for a certain time while the person is catching up uh, with new technologies or in a new team. But on the long run, there is a big gain for the company as well because you get much more flexibility. You have people who can based on the demand, jump from A to B and help out here and there. Yeah? That's something you, you don't get if you don't support and encourage this kind of development of people. I'm not a tech person, as you know. So I haven't really dealt with many tech applications, CVs. So how should tech people really demonstrate that they are passionate about learning new skills that they haven't learned before on their CV? Um, you've probably seen hundreds of CVs, if not thousands. What are things you pick up on there that they can really add in and add value? Maybe let's start with what does not work for me. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. CVs, uh, CVs I would filter out is the CVs with uh, the 10 pages CVs with endless lists of technologies you have been in touch with. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, because it's too long or because, because it, it's too long. And when somebody lists 100 technologies, then I already know that maybe they have heard of it, but that's it. Yeah. Like superficial. Exactly. Yeah. So I think for, for a CV, it's important to keep it short. How short? Uh, a CV shouldn't go three pages is the absolute maximum. Yeah? Okay. I, I would prefer one or two pages mm -hmm. on a CV and focus on your achievements. Don't mention that you you have worked with this technology and that technology and in this project and that project. Talk about what you have achieved. What was the impact of this project? What was the impact you have created in this uh, project? Yeah, and of course, then you uh, you also should list uh, the technologies you've used in this project. But this already this implicit mentioning in the context of your success story, implicitly mentioning technologies already gives me a good picture of uh, uh, how broad you are. I don't know if this is common practice when applying for tech positions. Are you in favor or against of a cover letter? I have to think. No, but that's already the answer, right? So no. When, when, when I have to think about <laughs> if I'm in favor of it, that means that I ignore it. Yeah. So you don't, if someone sends a cover letter, what is the percentage of time that you actually read the cover letter? Yeah, it looks like you have, uh, you have found out that I skipped them. <laughs> How long do you spend on a CV? CV, I usually scan very accurately. So I scan them uh, before I go into an interview. As I said mm. before, I expect the candidate to know the company. But I yep. think it's also fair that the candidate uh, can expect that you know him or her. Yeah. So I, I study the CV and uh, usually I have uh, some kind of standard questions I ask in interviews. But this is just a template. And whenever I scan the CV or I study the CV, I adjust the questions and I really tailor it for this candidate. What happens if a company isn't as thorough, they don't really read the CV beforehand? How should an applicant really approach that interview? I think an applicant should ask him or herself uh, what that means. If the company invites you to an interview and could not spend the two minutes or the five minutes to study the CV, is it really fair to waste your time and to bring you to an interview where, where you are asked to spend one hour? So I think you should just ask yourself what it means for you. And maybe see if there's other companies that are more interested in your profile. Um, previously, you mentioned staying up to date with recent trends going on in the tech community. What are some tools, resources that you use yourself and that you recommend to others? Uh, so there is uh, uh, a lot of tech uh, channels in the internet, uh, which, which you can follow. But I personally also like uh, following conferences. conferences. So of course you uh, you cannot visit uh, each and every conference, but uh, conferences are a good source of information for me to keep myself up to date for two reasons. It's uh, not only the tech trend itself, but at conferences very often people talk about their first or early experiences mm -hmm. uh, with, with technologies. And when you have the chance to be there physically, you also can talk to people. You can uh, uh, exchange experiences there. So that's why uh, I wouldn't consider conferences as, as the right place to learn specifics about something, but more as the right place to learn about what is going on and, and to, to take this as an input for you to filter what is relevant for me and what are things which I can ignore without, uh, uh, without uh, creating any negative impact on my career or my business or whatsoever. What are some specific online sites or resources you use or you stay up to date with? Uh, so uh, I do not limit myself to specific sites or sources. 
the way how I handle that is that I use Google like uh, everybody else and whatever the site or the source is, uh, I end up with uh, is, is the place where I consume information. So I don't follow specific sites. I, I rather um, use whatever I find via searching after certain things. And so how do you decide what you look up? That's um, maybe I don't have the most sophisticated, the most uh, uh, scientific approach on that. But uh, when you stay in touch with tech people and you have tech conversations, you stumble over many things. Yeah. And uh, this is the way how I already get the first idea of what is going on. And uh, then I, I can uh, dig into things by myself. Mm. Uh, and by digging into things uh, by myself, I can also usually very quickly find out if it is something what is relevant for my career, for my business or whatsoever, or whether it is something where I say, okay, it's nice that I know it. It's nice that I've heard that it exists, but I don't want to spend too much mm. time on it. Coming from the other side of the company perspective, how can startups, SMEs, even corporations really attract the top talent in tech and the right talent? Like what sort of activities should they be doing right now? Uh, there is this saying that talent attracts talent. So uh, if you want to attract talent, um, I think it's 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 important to be also very picky uh, in the hiring process. Um, I think one one thing what is very important to attract top talent is that top talent people need some space, some freedom, some room for creativity. So. Uh, if you hire top talent, then you also need to give them this uh, space and room for creativity. And you will see that uh, it pays off. When you give them room, they will come up with new ideas and with, uh, with uh, new ways of how to solve certain problems. If you don't provide this space, if you uh, force people to go a quite narrow path of, of, uh, of implementing solutions, then uh, A, you don't need top talent, and B, you anyways can't retain top talent. So I think this needs to be in balance. You need to create a certain environment which attracts top talent, but this means that you accept that uh, top talent also takes a lot of control over your company and over the, the, the future of the company, over the steps forward. How can companies really focus on retaining those top talents once they get them? I think besides hygiene factors, uh, <laughs> there, is, um, there is only one thing, which is give them an attractive job and give them the freedom uh, as I said before, give them the room for creativity that they can build great things. I think anything else is is uh, of lower importance. Is that currently a common practice that many companies do is give them this flexibility and room to maneuver or are more companies nowadays really more rigid and narrow? I think it heavily depends on domains, on businesses, and also on the, 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 the age of companies. Uh, I think many new tech companies understand it very well. Yeah, they understand very well uh, what it means to get top talent, to retain top talent, and also that this kind of, of uh, top talented people have an important say on where the company goes to. Um, in rather traditional companies, I don't see that. Uh, and if you don't offer that, then yeah, you, you also don't have uh, these top talented people. And I wouldn't even say that it must be wrong or right. It also heavily depends on what you need to do. If I want to develop a new product, if I want to change uh, how the world is doing wealth management uh, in my wealth management as a service, then I need top talent. I, I need to set new standards. I want to invent a new product into the market. 
if I need to improve the transactional system of a bank where money transactions are done, then maybe this is not the right place for those people. So you always have to have in mind, what do you really need? What kind of work do you want to get done? And then find the right people for it. It's not always the top talented people are the best people of choice for that, what you want to do. What about in your domain, in fintech uh, finance? I know traditional companies are more narrow, less flexibility, but is fintech similar or? I think that uh, heavily depends on the company. Uh, but uh, taking our company as an example, uh, we, we understand, given our history, that we, we started with serving a few clients. It took us quite some time to understand what these clients need. So we have done that what many uh, uh startup companies do, that you develop something for your clients, go to the market quickly, learn about it, also make some money that you can make the next steps. Yeah. And now after a few years, I think we have the knowledge that we understand what clients really need and that we can lift our technology to the next level, which means uh, we can abstract our technology uh, in a way that it is a highly customizable wealth management as a service platform. And from, from the earlier stage to this stage, we definitely need top talent. There is no way around uh, uh, having top talent to do that. Yeah? As long as you strictly follow implementing certain requirements who are defined by somebody, then it maybe doesn't require top talent. Yeah? But uh, now we are really lifting it to the next uh, generation. Speaking about your company, what are some interesting projects and initiatives you're currently working on, aside from these new platforms? So I would say the, the, the most interesting uh, project currently is that we, we lift our platform to the next level, which comes with uh, many new, uh, with, with many challenges in different areas. It comes with challenges on the non-functional side. So we need to uh, re-architect the system completely. We need to make it scalable um, with uh, using the latest technologies there. Uh, then uh, another challenge there is on the functional side that, as I've mentioned before, based on all the learnings we had in the past, we now know uh, and we understand very well on how and where to build customization hooks in our platform. Yeah. And this is something what uh, also requires a lot of uh, technical skills to do that properly, that customization can be done easily. So this is uh, definitely one of the most uh, interesting projects currently going on. And uh, one other thing what is going on is, uh, we have a lot of data. We have a lot of asset data. We have a lot of client information, uh, what kind of trades they are doing. We have a lot of information what, uh, uh, about how um, wealth advisors are compiling their portfolios and so on. And uh, we, we start more and more combining this data, also combining this data with real world data like news and so on, that we can be better and better in supporting the uh, wealth advisor in creating the right portfolio. So this is something where we want to introduce more and more automation. We want to propose or we want to create better and better proposals for the wealth advisor and unload the wealth advisor from this. By this, we can make our company vision real, which is uh, that we want to give access to uh, uh, wealth management to everyone. And this is only possible if wealth management becomes cheaper. And it only becomes cheaper when the technology support is better and when a part of the smartness, which is currently exclusively in the advisor's head, when a part of this smartness can be externalized in the system. All right. And my last question is, how can people listening to this podcast connect with you and with Privé to keep up to date? You can find us on our website. You can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm very happy 
uh, whenever you're looking for an interesting opportunity, I'm very happy uh, to get back to you. You find me on LinkedIn is uh, Joseph Puchinger. 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 Yes. How, how do you spell that? P-U-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Joseph, for joining us today. Really great tips. Thank you too.